What's good, everybody? You're listening to episode three of the Our Future podcast, where I have conversations with the most remarkable executives and entrepreneurs in the world. They'll share their stories, give you career advice, and hopefully get you excited about the future. Today, I'm joined by Peter Jason, producer of Fahrenheit 451, which starred Michael B. Jordan back in 2018, and American Playboy, the Hugh Hefner story, which was produced for Amazon Prime. And I'm so excited to be interviewing him today. I want to know how a story comes to life in Hollywood. You have the producer, the director, the writers, the actors, all these people are part of this incredible production. How do they all work together to make it happen, Peter? Michael, think of it like a symphony. Uh, You have different people playing different instruments. You have the conductor uh, who's trying to organize those instruments. As a producer, it's my job to essentially find the intellectual property, develop it, then to source uh, the right writer who can to write can adapt that intellectual property into a pitch or into a script, and then once we have a script, to package it up with getting the right actors attached and director attached. So you made a TV series for Amazon Prime about Hugh Hefner, which is an incredible story to tell. I know, unfortunately, he passed away in 2017, but did you ever consult Hef through that production? Actually, I was very fortunate, Michael, that. Literally, we were the last project that Hef ever worked on. And I had known Hef for about 10 years. And I had promised him before he passed away, we would get his life story made. He had been very focused since 1959 of having it made as a feature film. In fact, Tony Curtis was attached to play Hef in 1959, 1960. But there had been 15 versions of the script for various reasons it was never made. And I went to him about three years ago and said, why don't we try to do it as a TV series and let's do it as a hybrid of a documentary using archival footage and then with dramatic scenes that were scripted. It was sort of like based on, I had seen the making of the mob and the men of built America and seen that format that Stephen David Entertainment had created. So I went to Stephen and said, why don't we partner up and do the same version of the, the Hugh Hefner story. And Hef was involved to the point that he literally read every script gave notes on every script and gave notes on every edit for all 10 episodes. So what was that one part of Hugh's story that he really wanted told and and maybe you also really wanted to showcase through TV? I felt it was important that right now people forget of what a pioneer Hugh Hefner was for civil rights, first amendment rights, gay rights, anti-war, every seminal issue, freedom of speech, you name it that affects the way we live today, you Hefner fought for those rights in the 20th century. And because of The Girls Next Door, many people from your generation and recent generations think about you Hefner as this older man and more about his personal life of who he was dating. People have forgotten all the rights he fought for that that we all get to appreciate on a daily basis back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. So what was your favorite part of the Playboy Mansion? Did you ever get to go and and hang out there? Look, I worked with Playboy for 10 years as a consultant. Uh, I had many meetings at the mansion with Mr. Hefner and Dick Rosenzweig. Parties too? I've I've been to a few parties there, but to be honest with you, to me, it was all business. I I don't mix business and pleasure. And lucky for me, Michael, I've been a happily married man for over 23 years. As you know, my son's a fraternity brother of yours, so... Uh, you know, I think one of my keys to working with Playboy uh, for 10 years was the fact was I was just a married dad from the Valley. So you also did Fahrenheit 451 and that's a book that 
so many American children read every year as part of a standard curriculum. Um, so in terms of that production, what was the most important part of Ray Bradbury's dystopian tale that you wanted to bring onto the, the, the silver screen? You know, first off, we were very fortunate to have Ramin Barani, who's an amazing filmmaker. We'd seen 99 Homes, which he did with Michael Shannon and Andrew Garfield and loved Great it. Movie. So to have um, Ramin want to take this on, it was very important for all of us to do Ray Bradbury's words justice in a way that it wasn't just, it paid homage to the themes that were important about censorship, but also did in a way that it was compelling and like a thriller so that audiences today who had never read the book could watch it and be and feel scared about the possibility that this is what a world could look like and what would they would do if they were in Montag's position. And I think for us, getting Michael B. Jordan, who it was coming off of Black Panther, to play to play Montag and have Michael Shannon, one you know, who had worked with Ramina on 99 Homes to play to play our villain, it became a great one-on-one between these two great actors going at it from different sides of a very important issue, which was censorship. And to give a dystopian view of what the world could look like through censorship, I think, you know, especially when we're dealing with issues of democracy versus authoritarianism, if you look at some of the things going on in today's world with China and the U.S. government, and then look at the issues that Ray Bradbury wrote about in 1954, 1953, when it actually was launched the very first time in Playboy magazine in 1953, in the very first issue of Playboy, it was really important for us to show that the themes that Ray Bradbury was concerned about in the 1950s are just as important and just as concerning today. So we just talked about you making these TV series and movies. What is the most rewarding part about working in entertainment? Is it seeing that final work that you've put together and spent so much time on finally appear on the TV screen or the movie screen? Or does does that gratification happen earlier? You know, I always say there's like 6,395 steps to getting any movie or TV series made. And there's lots of gratification as you patch different steps on that journey. It's like running a marathon, but it's, it's like, or giving birth to a baby. And so in the end, when that final product comes out, I feel very proud of all the steps on the journey, but then I'm equally, if not more excited to see other people watch and react. And sometimes they love it and sometimes they don't, but either way, I'm really honored and excited that they take the time to watch the product, watch the content. So a lot of uh, productions are going straight to streaming. And I think a lot of kind of Hollywood traditionalists are upset that some movies might not get their time of day on the silver screen because that can amplify the experience so much about watching a movie. You're watching it with other people. It's social experience. But now, you know, we just seen the Trolls movie, which was a big debacle just now, went straight to, to streaming and Universal said they might do that with future films. What do you think about the movie theater maybe losing a bit of relevance as we go forward? Well, I think the COVID-19 pandemic has altered the way we all interact with technology and content. I mean, look, I'm talking to you over Zoom right now. Right. I had never done a Zoom meeting or a Zoom pitch until this began. And now I'm on Zooms every day, a few times a day. So 
it's only natural that people who consumed content, especially kids who were dying for content, who watched Trolls, it was something that the theaters were supportive of because they knew it would help the kids now. Obviously, there's a concern in the future, will uh, content go direct to you know SVOD and bypass the theater? I still think that there's a great value for the cinematic experience, but I do think that in the future, you're going to see more and more consumers having the option, do you want to see it in a theater or do you want to consume it through some type of device in your house? I think that seems to be only a natural course. I sincerely hope that there's still always the option to see it in a theater because there's nothing like sitting in mm -hmm. a theater with two or 300 people watching uh, a great piece of uh, storytelling on a huge screen. So I just read Bob Iger's book about his time. As did I. I, I, it was a ride of book. a lifetime, right? Ride of I, a lifetime. I, I, I read it over the holidays, and you know he was at ABC Disney combined for you know over forty years, and I think one thing he really emphasized throughout the book was that to have any incredible production, there needs to be incredible people powering that production, and you're a producer, so you're tasked with kind of you know. Uh, recruiting all these people to come together for something great. Uh, do you do you agree with uh, that ethos that it's the people that that make the production? Absolutely, absolutely. It's about a group of passionate people with a, coming together with a shared vision and doing whatever it takes to bring that vision to life. The people who work on you know in entertainment, you know, there's no. It's not like say going to. It's not like deciding you want to go be an investment banker or go be a doctor or a lawyer. There's no guaranteed track, Michael, to how you can right. have a career in entertainment. So it's about having uh, a passion that you want to pursue and waking up every day and doing whatever it takes to bring whatever you're working on to life. And it's a collaborative process. It, it, ta it, it, takes, an, it takes a village, as they say, to bring any right. piece of content to you know, a, a, a movie theater near you or to Netflix or to ABC or whatever. However you consume content, there are hundreds, if not thousands of people behind bringing that content to life. That's everything from production to marketing, to distribution, to public relations. It, 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 literally, it literally is a group of people working together, bringing each of their expertise to the table and interweaving it together so it all operates in perfect unison. It's a lot of hard work. It's, it's like it's you have to to pursue entertainment. You have to basically want to go run a marathon. I spent most of my twenties learning what I wasn't good at, and by the time I hit my thirties and my mid thirties, then I focused hundred percent of my time on becoming a producer. And as a producer, I did everything from. Uh, news with Dateline NBC to sports with ABC Sports. I was a producer with Charlie Rose. I produced, you know, a conversation with Magic Johnson for Nickelodeon. And I did all these different wow. things and with Entertainment Tonight and Extra. And I realized I wanted to focus on being a producer in scripted content. And I spent the better part of my 30s morphing from doing reality-based storytelling to scripted storytelling. And now I've spent the last 20 years doing that and have had a really good run. And I, you know, the good news, Michael, is I'm 53. I've been in the business for over 30 years and uh, I wake up every day and I'm excited by what I do and I enjoy what I do. This 20, you know, 30 year stint you've had in Hollywood, it's changed so much. You get the streaming wars happening. You're seeing every 
different uh, studio and content creator creating their own distribution platform for, for streaming. And, you know, two of your um, more well-known works uh, of recent times uh, were both, you know, one was for HBO, the other was for uh, Amazon Prime. So, so what do you think about this whole streaming dynamic that's at play? Look, you know, I love that there are more uh, buyers to potentially sell content to. So to me, uh, I'm agnostic. I'm happy to sell, you know, we're doing, uh, we're doing a movie for Amazon called All the Shaw's Men and we're doing another one for Netflix called Front Desk. But then we're doing the Bob Dylan biopic for Searchlight Pictures with Timmy Chalamet playing Bob yeah. and James Mangold directing. So to me, I'm happy to sell uh, our projects to whomever that we think is the best partner for that project to help give us the best platform uh, and distribution. So I'm curious how this all works. Do these uh, streaming services, these tech companies, do they approach producers like you or is it you're working on these ideas, you pitch oh, it to them? I would love it if it was an incoming call all the time, uh, <laughs> but most of the time it's us making outgoing calls. Though, like with Mosquito Coast that we're doing with Apple, so, you know, with uh, Neil Cross writing and Rupert uh, Wyatt directing, and uh, Justin through starring that started with an incoming call from Apple saying, we just started up this new service and we're looking for a modern day Swiss family Robinson. What do you have? And I said, I've got it. We have the mosquito coast. So there's wow. times that they'll call and tell us what they're looking for. But most of the time, Michael, it's us developing and taking things out as pitches or as scripted uh, projects that we've attached a director or uh, an actor to. So I kind of want to wrap this up with a note to students right now. Um, whether you have any internship opportunities or just general advice for students who are interested in making movies or writing or anything of the sort, obviously there isn't like this steel clad path ladder to getting there. Like there is with IB and consulting, like a lot of students at Ross, what, what, what advice would you tell anybody listening right now who wants to be someone like you one day? Well, I think my first advice is start reading the trades on a daily basis read deadline uh, hollywood read the hollywood reporter variety every day so you start learning what's going on and who's who uh, i think internships are very important getting real life experience uh and starting to network um is important i think that start reading and when i say reading not just reading uh, magazines or reading articles and uh, in newspapers and like that start reading scripts so you start learning how to digest the content the way we do i think as i said to you earlier michael it's about if you're going to go run this marathon you got to start getting in shape and it's about building muscle for all the elements of what it takes to run the marathon to be in entertainment that means being educated in what you read starting if you want to be a writer write every day if you want to be yeah. a producer Start reading scripts, start trying to find, find pieces of intellectual property you may want to develop. If you want to be a director, start making short films. And it's a good yeah. time to do that, right? It's a good time to start watching movies, taking notes. Exactly. And that's the other thing. Start consuming content because in any meeting you're going to be in about something you're developing, they, they're going to ask you for comps. Like tonally, what is this like? And you, if you're, if you're doing something that you think you want it to be like the next crown or Downton Abbey, you want to be able to reference that if you're doing something totally that you think you, it's stranger things it's it's to to be involved in entertainment means you have to be consumed by entertainment 
That's and the best way to do that is you got to learn from the past to figure out how to develop for the future. Well, I love how you end on that futuristic note. Peter, I hope the LA sunshine is treating you well and I wish happiness and health to your family. Uh, shout out Matthew during these tough times. Thank you so much for being on the show. Michael, thank you for inviting me. And I just want to say to everyone out there who's listening, who's in, who goes to the University of Michigan, look, 30 years ago when I was, when I was graduating, I had no mm -hmm. idea, Go Blue is right, how I was going to carve or or chart you know pursue this career in entertainment but you know the university of michigan is a great degree and a great place uh, that to, to use as a foundation and we in the university of michigan family love helping all the people who are alums at michigan so just realize having that degree from ann arbor means the world and all of us out there we live and breathe blue forever so go blue and good luck Ladies and gentlemen, that was Peter Jason, Hollywood producer. Had so much fun talking to him. Next time, I'm bringing on guest co-host Matt Coaches, where we will be interviewing Ben Hassing, former SVP of Crossboard Trade and E-Commerce at Walmart and current chief executive at e-commerce at Kohl's, which is Australia's biggest chain of grocery stores. Let's talk about the future of e-com, delivery, and doing business in a foreign country. Thank you for listening. Stay frosty, team. <laughs>